So Holy Spirit, ask that you would come and help us to know how to apply those words to our lives so that we can follow your agenda, your mission, rather than our personal agendas. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to welcome those of you who are watching online and also say to everyone online and everyone here, Happy Mother's Day. It's good to have you all here. Uh, A little while ago, my wife ran across a uh, French film clip uh, that's all about the angst and ennui of life, because what else would a French film be about but that, right? As seen through the eyes of a cat. And it's very artsy, and y'all are very sophisticated, so I'd like you to see this. Eh bien, je suis toujours ici. Chacun des moments tôt peut lever froid comme un globe d'état. Il nécessite ce temps maintenant délicat. Je suis libre de lit, ma jeunesse. Les 15 heures par jour, je donne en aucune fête. Je me réveille à la nuit même. Immortalisé sur l'amour. Oublier sur le plancher. Comme mes tutus par ici, ils devenaient furieux. Pourtant, je ne sens rien. Et partaient des délicieuses collections, juste où de porter. Mais encore sans pitié. Moi seul, sentant se tomber. Blanc imbécile, c'est trop sous sachet à la mendicité pour les cheeseburgers. Je suis enterré pour das idiot. Attention au chat. Pas si j'aimais les fonds. Encore, j'ai appris quelques petites choses. La crème fruitée dans la salle de bain n'est pas la crème fruitée. Nous ne pouvons pas nous échapper. Parfois, la porte du chat est fermée. What a sad little cat, right? A life without adventure, meaning, purpose, joy, and why? Well, it's obvious because a cat has no purpose. Right? There's no mission in the cat's life, and without that, it feels a certain je ne sais quoi of despair. And I think that's the same for all of us. Each of us was created for a purpose, for a mission from God. And if we don't embrace that mission, we'll not only feel despair, but we will turn to lesser missions, our own personal missions, because we've got to have a mission. And we'll turn to lesser missions, what Pastor John Ortberg calls our shadow missions, That is, rather than pursue God's agenda in our lives, in our families, our schools, our careers, we end up pursuing our agenda, our own personal mission. For example, God's mission for us as parents is that we shape our kids' character to be like Jesus. But so often our own agendas creep into our parenting, don't they? And we end up, sometimes, for instance, we end up wanting our kids to succeed at school or in their activities so much that our shadow mission becomes paying more attention to their GPA and their athletic and uh, uh, musical skills than their character. 
Or maybe we're overly fearful for their safety. So our shadow mission becomes to protect them at all costs. And we become overprotective and they don't learn how to deal with difficult things. God's mission for all of us is that we would join him in his rescue mission to this world. But maybe our shadow mission is comfort or, or success. And so our shadow mission becomes pursuing those things at all costs. And we miss God's adventure. I know a pastor who says his shadow mission is a phrase that he saw in a newspaper in his hometown after he won a speech contest as a kid. And the headline said, talkative kid wins acclaim. And he says, as a pastor, I know my job is to win acclaim for Jesus, but sometimes that shadow mission creeps in and I end up trying to get people to pay attention to me more than Jesus. And it's not just individuals that have shadow missions, but companies, even churches have shadow missions. You know, every church has its mission statement, usually on their reader board or something like that. Things that say, you know, serve the world or make Christ known. But in every church, there's also a shadow mission at work, a hidden agenda. And if you look at how certain churches behave, you can sort of see their shadow mission. In fact, I think it'd be kind of interesting if churches put their shadow mission out on their reader board. You know, we might end up seeing things like successfully avoiding conflict since 1973 or judging others together, right? Or just don't change anything until one day after I die. Here, I'm not sure what our uh, shadow mission statement might be, but it might be something like this, a successful church for successful people. We all have a mission. We all have shadow missions that get in the way. And the question is, in any given moment, as a parent, as a spouse, in your office, in your school, whose agenda are you pursuing, yours or God's? And this is important because our shadow missions can cause some real damage. You know, I think my personal shadow mission, if I had to write it out, one of them anyway, might be sit around on the couch, watch ESPN all day. Right? But the problem with that, if your shadow mission is comfort, then, you know, pretty soon you get bored and apathetic, sort of like the existentialist cat we just saw. Success at any cost, if that's your shadow mission, it leads to exhaustion. If our shadow mission is to avoid con conflict, it leads to phony relationships. But when we embrace God's true mission for us, it leads us to adventure, purpose, healthy families, closeness to God. And that's one of the things at stake in the scripture that we just read today. Jesus is on God's mission, but Peter has a shadow mission. He wants Jesus to bless instead. Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. It is one of Peter's great moments. He, he alone understands, gets Jesus' identity just right. However, he gets Jesus' mission all wrong. Because when Jesus says that he'll be crucified and raised from the dead, Peter says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Okay, just make a note here. The phrase, no, Lord, is an oxymoron. What Peter is really saying here is, I don't like your mission, Jesus. I think I have a better one that I'd like you to bless. So then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Okay, when your spiritual mentor calls you the devil, that's a bad day. Peter's having a bad day, right? Can you imagine him going home to Mrs. Peter? Oh, he called me devil, devil. Oh, a terrible day, right? But at this point, Peter really is speaking the same temptation that Satan spoke to, to Jesus in the wilderness when Jesus was tempted. And Satan said, jump off the temple and God will protect you. Or turn these stones into bread and everyone will follow you. In other words, be a Messiah without a cross. You see, 
God's mission was to rescue the world by having Jesus absorb sin and absorb death on the cross and conquer it by rising three days later. Satan's shadow mission is to try to get Jesus to accomplish all that without the cross. And Peter here reveals two characteristics of a shadow mission. First, shadow missions are all about us. Peter here is all about himself. Because you see, back then, people thought that what Peter and everyone thought that what Messiah meant was that Jesus was going to come and kick out the Romans and set up his own kingdom. And then, you know, Peter being rocky and all, his main man, Peter maybe could be vice Messiah as kind of a reward. But if Jesus goes to the cross, his, you know, career plan of vice Messiah, it's all wiped out. And that's what shadow missions are all about. Saying to God, my will be done rather than thy will be done. Here's my plan, God. Bless it. And the problem with that is, if God blesses our plan, then all we get is our plan. But what if God's plan is harder, but better? Second quality of a shadow mission is, they're often good things. I think it's interesting to note that Jesus calls Peter Satan when Peter is trying to protect Jesus and make him safe. Our shadow missions are often good, but not the best. And good things can get in the way of God things. This summer, my family and I were visiting some friends in the Bay Area, and on the way to their house, my 10-year-old son and my daughters got in a huge fight. I mean, he was yelling at his sisters, they were yelling at, at him, Christina and I were just yelling, right? As we're pulling in to our friend's driveway, right, here come the Dudleys, <laughs> tell me I'm not alone. Someone please, this happens in other families, right? Someone say amen, please. Okay, there we go, I don't feel so... So weird now. Okay. Well, we managed to get the girls to calm down and apologize, but my son did not want to go in the house. So my wife and the girls went in, and I stayed in the car with my son to try to talk him off the ledge, right? And as we were talking, he said very seriously, as though he were offering a very helpful suggestion, he said, why don't you just give Holly and Lucy away? <laughs> he thought that sounded like a reasonable solution to the problem, right? And I said, no. And he said, why? And I said, because we love them and we want them. And he said, you want them? Why? <laughs> like he couldn't figure that out. How do you answer something like that, right? Now, just for the record, he loves his sisters, just not right then. So I kept trying to talk to him, but ended up sounding very angry because I was. Because I'm thinking, you know, our friends are seeing this. This is embarrassing. So all about me, right? Plus, our friends had two boys, and I knew my son likes them. If he just got in the house, he'd start playing with them, and everything would be better. He'd have, be having a good day. So that's a good thing, but it wasn't what God wanted to do in that moment. So in my mind, I started to pray, Lord, I'm clearly all about my agenda right now. What's yours? And right about that time, my son said, well, do you want me to? And I realized he was feeling ganged up on. Whether that was true or not, that's how he felt. So I put my arm around him and tried to pull him close. You know what he did? He just pulled away, the little turkey, right? So we ended up in this tug of war, right? Where I'm like, I am going to love you, whether you, right? So and I, finally, I just went, and got him really close, right? And he kind of goes careening over, right? And I said, of course we want you. We love you. And then I just sat there with him for a few minutes. And then he said, can we go inside now? And I said, yes, if you apologize to your sisters, which he did. The rest of the evening was great. Okay, in that moment, my shadow mission was make a good impression on my friends and get this thing over with as quickly as possible. Comfort, image, reputation. In that moment, that was my shadow mission. But when I saw God's mission in that moment, to love my son and mold his character, when I got on board with that mission, things got better. So those are the characteristics of our shadow mission, those two things. 
what are the characteristics then of a true mission from God? It could be a lot of things. I'll just list three really briefly. First, God's mission is always costly. And I talked a little bit about this last week. So this is kind of part two of last week's sermon. And, you know, normally pastors don't want to talk about hard subjects like this on Mother's Day. But there's a good reason I chose this text for today. Bad planning. So I might have rethought that had I been paying attention. Anyway, hang with me because I think ultimately this is good news. Plus, as my wife reminded me, every mother knows that being a mother is very costly. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Mothers know about that. And take up their cross and follow me. Does that sound fun to you? No, me neither. But I think we have to understand what this means. It doesn't mean go out and make yourself miserable because that will glorify God. It doesn't mean work ourselves into exhaustion trying to meet everyone else's expectations, often a pressure women in our culture feel. To deny means to disavow any connection with something. It's what Peter does to Jesus later in the story when they ask him, do you know him? And Peter says, I don't know the man. He denies Jesus three times. To deny ourselves, then, is to do the same thing about ourselves. I don't know the guy. I don't know the woman. We belong not to ourselves, but to Jesus. And to deny self means I'm going to try to do things his way. Before I came here, whenever people in California would ask me, what's your next career move? Back to the university, senior pastor, what it's going to be? I would always say, that's none of my business. Right? That's up to God. That's denying self. And as a person who used to worry a lot about my career, that was freedom not to think about myself so much. Okay? Which brings me to the second characteristic of our true mission, and that is when we follow God's agenda, not ours, we become our best self. All that he created us to be. In that moment in the car with my son, I was my best parent when I got on board with God's agenda, not mine. And it's only through Jesus that we can do this because, A, he made us so he knows what we were created to do, and B, it is so easy for us to be blind to who we really are and fool ourselves, isn't it? I recently read a story about a couple who'd been married for 50 years, you know, just great marriage, and they were moving to a retirement home, and as they were cleaning out their house, the man found a shoebox way in the back of the closet that his wife had hidden for years, and inside were two crochet dolls and $90,000. Right? So he asked his wife, well, what's this about? And his wife said, oh, well, my grandmother told me the secret to a happy marriage was never to argue, and that if I ever got mad at you, I should just keep my mouth shut and knit a, make a crochet doll instead. And the man was really moved by that. He's like, oh, man, only two little crochet dolls in this box after 50 years, only two moments of anger and 50 years of marriage. So then he said, well, where'd the $90,000 come from? And she said, oh, that. Well, whenever I made a doll, I'd sell it for five bucks at a craft fair. I love that one. <laughs> so easy to be blind to who we are and how others see us, but through Jesus, we can become all that he created us to be. And you see that in this story where Jesus renamed Simon to Peter, which means rock or rocky, even though Peter doesn't seem very rock-like in this moment. But through Jesus, that is exactly who Peter becomes, his true self, his best self. He becomes the disciple that at Pentecost preaches a powerful sermon and launches the church. The disciple who is willing to be crucified upside down for the sake of Christ because Peter got on board with God's purpose, God's agenda, God's mission, rather than his shadow mission. And in the process, he became the rock that did not roll. You see, denying self does not lead to misery. That's Peter's mistake in this story. When Jesus says that he's going to be crucified and then raised three days later, and Peter says, no, Lord, that sounds terrible. What's Peter missing in that equation? What's he forgetting about? The rising from the dead part. 
All he hears is the deny yourself part. He doesn't hear the promise of new life. You see the most frequent promise Jesus makes. If you lose your life, you will find your life. If you give up your shadow mission, lose your own agenda to get on God's agenda in every moment of every day, then you will have a deeper, richer, fuller life. When my daughter, my youngest daughter, was very young, she loved M&Ms. In fact, she loved them so much that when we would give her the M&Ms, she would hold them in her greasy little hand for like 20, 30 minutes until they were a melted, sticky mess, which I always found disappointing because the commercials promised that M&Ms did what? Melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Liars, they so melt in your hands, right? Here's the point. In hanging on to her M&Ms, she lost her M&Ms. It's the same with our lives. When we try to hang on to our lives, hang on to our agenda, hang on to our shadow mission instead of God's, we get anxious, stressed out, broken relationships, yada, yada, yada. But when we let go of our shadow missions, we find our true selves. If you lose your life, you'll find it. And then third, we discover that God's mission is so much bigger and more interesting than our shadow missions. Again, that moment in the car with my son, what God wanted to do in that moment was so much cooler than what I wanted to do in that moment. My shadow mission was a lot smaller than God's real mission. Think if Jesus had followed Peter's advice and avoided the cross. Look at all they would have missed, all those miracles, all those people healed and cured, and the greatest miracle of all they would have missed is the resurrection. They'd have missed it all. Our shadow missions seem so appealing, but they're small compared to what God can do. So, how do we figure out if we're, what our shadow missions are, what our real missions are? Three things real quick. How do we discern this? One, you're not going to be surprised by this one. Pray and listen. Say to Jesus, show me my shadow mission in this moment. What, am I, what agenda am I on? Yours or mine? Show me, Lord. And then show me your agenda. Show me your mission. And then pay attention to the thoughts or images that pop into your head or the opportunities that come your way. And do that in, every, in little situations even. You know, that moment in the car got better when I asked Jesus, what's your agenda here? Get me off mine, get me onto yours. That moment in the car changed, that prayer changed everything. Pray and listen. Second, ask others you trust, what do you think my shadow mission is? Right? Ask your spouse, they'll know. They'll know for sure if you're married. And then third, name it. Write it down in a sentence. Because if you can name it, you can begin to move counter to it. And embrace God's bigger mission for your life. A woman from our church who I'll call Mary emailed me a while back to tell me about some adventures that she and her husband, who I'll call Bill, have been having because they're on board with God's mission rather than their shadow mission. Bill's a doctor and he occasionally volunteers to help set up medical uh, facilities in Africa where they don't have them. And Mary's health keeps her from traveling, but she kind of runs logistics from here in Bellevue. Well, last summer, Bill heard from a missionary about a townhouse in East Africa. And I can't say the country because some of this is sensitive information. But the missionary asked Bill to consider buying it to help other missionaries who needed a place to stay. Well, Bill and Mary were expecting some money from a real estate sale that they were about to close. And they were going to put that money into retirement. But as Bill prayed about it, he kept getting this nudge from God that said, I want you to buy that townhouse in Africa. I have a reason. So Bill went to Mary and said, you know, I know this sounds like I'm saying I want to sell the family cow for some magic beans, but I think we're supposed to buy that townhouse in Africa. So Mary started to pray, came to church the next day where the sermon happened to be on fasting and the joy of having less, which she was just sure I had aimed right at her, but no, you know, sometimes that happens. She said, by Tuesday I had joyfully surrendered, and so they bought the townhouse in Africa. Well, a little while later, Bill met a man who I'll call Paul, 
who used to be an Islamic terrorist and killed a whole lot of Christians in the 90s. But every time he'd go to kill a Christian, he was always struck by the fact that they would pray for him and they would say, may God bless you. And he couldn't figure out why they were doing that. Well, one day Paul met a close friend who he hadn't seen in years. And this friend of Paul seemed really happy for some reason. So Paul asked him and the friend said, well, if you got to know, I became a Christian, which was brave of that friend since Paul killed Christians. I became a Christian, right? And, and now I know that I'm going to heaven. And that intrigued Paul because, because in, in Muslim theology, you're never sure if you're going to heaven or not. Long story short, Paul became a Christian and now preaches in Muslim communities talking about how Jesus changed his life. But as a result, some folks from his former terrorist life are mad at him and they're trying to kill him. So Paul needs a place to hide. So guess where he's hiding? Bill and Mary's townhouse somewhere in East Africa. Mary said, you know, it's certainly an odd way to invest retirement funds, but it's been an adventure. And I just love the picture of that, right? Like two retirement age Bellevusians running a safe house in Africa, right? I mean, you can just hear the Mission Impossible music in the background. I right? do, 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 do. Anyway, but wait, there's more. Because a couple of months ago, Bill, who's a doctor, went to Africa on a medical relief mission. And he saw God work in some amazing ways. He got to preach in a prison, which was out of his comfort zone, but 50 people came to Christ because of it. And then a few days later, they were in a refugee camp where there was a child whose left leg was stiff and left arm was limp. And he'd been that way for, for two years. Kid walked with a limp. And Bill assumed that he'd had an aneurysm burst in his brain and that was causing the, the stroke-like symptoms. So Bill got this overwhelming urge to pray for this little boy in the white right there. Got this overwhelming urge to pray for this little boy, called his friends over, laid hands on him. They started praying that God would heal this little boy's body. When they stopped, the boy got up and started to limp away as normal. But then he took his left hand out and he stretched it out and then he began to walk without a limp. So Bill chased him down, took these pictures. Later on, they saw the little boy running around, something that no one had ever seen this little boy do. Bill said it's an absolute miracle. Now remember, Bill's a doctor, a trained scientist, goes to this church. Mary ended her email by saying, we feel like the characters in the Narnia tales, taking the adventures Aslan sends our way. We cannot wait to see what God does next to expand his kingdom, but we know this, things sure do happen when we step out in faith, indeed. Rather than following some kind of shadow mission about comfort and security in retirement, and yes, it's important that we plan and all of that, yes, for retirement, all that, but how much is enough? And in a culture whose shadow mission is more, 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 Bill and Mary are following Jesus' true mission, discovering their best selves in the process and having a much bigger adventure than they ever could have imagined. So what shadow missions are driving you? Will you pray about that this week? Ask God to reveal that to you. Maybe ask some folks to help you figure that out. And then take steps to die to that shadow mission and live into God's mission instead. I'll close with this. Back in 16th century England, a man named Sir Thomas More was beheaded because he wouldn't go along with Henry VIII's divorce from his wife. And Henry VIII had him tried for treason, but he was having a hard time getting a conviction. So Henry got a friend of More's to lie on the witness stand in order to get the conviction. In exchange, Henry VIII gave this friend of More, made this friend of More's governor of Wales in exchange for the lie. Well, as Moore was leaving the courtroom to be executed, he turned to his friend and he said, you know what, the Bible talks about trading your soul for the whole world, but for whales? <laughs> so, sense of humor till the end. In other words, it's so not worth it. 
Right? Our shadow missions are so small, so lame, compared to God's bigger mission. And the person who guarantees that is Jesus. Jesus who denied himself and at the cross lost everything, but who also knew the cross was not where it ended. The empty tomb was the end of the story. And now, as the Bible says, God has exalted him so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow one day and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. In losing his life, Jesus found it and found us as well. And it's out of that security that we can fling our lives away, dump our agendas, dump our shadow missions in every moment of every day and follow Jesus' mission. Because when we lose our life for his sake, we get so much more in return. So Jesus, help us to do that. Reveal to us, open our eyes to see the ways we are on our agenda day by day, not on your agenda. And then help us make a course correction. Lord, and we will give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise for the results. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.